Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Slevin, sitting in for Simon Morris. This week on At The Movies, the rock biography genre turns its attention to Elton John. Bernie Taupin. Yeah. You must be Elton? Yeah. Hi. Well, that's my stage name. Oh. Well, you, you can tell me your real name when we get to know each other better. Monsters, monsters everywhere, and not a drop to drink. But at least one of them might be on our side this time. How many of these things are there? Seventeen. And counting. That's messed up. Meanwhile, in Helsinki, an elderly art dealer wants to set up his daughter and grandchild, and so needs to close one last deal. The big news in the movie world this week is that Japanese cinemas have finally raised their ticket prices after, checks notes, 26 years. Yes, cinema going in the land of the rising sun now much more closely resembles our experience in the rest of the world because they're putting up their ticket prices by 100 yen. That is an increase of 5% to an equivalent of about 26 New Zealand dollars. That means that the last time Japan reset their baseline ticket prices for movies, in 1993, they were paying 25 bucks a ticket to see blockbusters like Jurassic Park, The Age of Innocence, and John Claude Van Damme in Hard Target. Hunting season is over. But evidently, it was very rare for a normal Japanese citizen to actually pay that amount. The Guardian newspaper describes a complex system of discounts that would make the average price only $18. Why is he so fixated on Japan, I hear you cry. Well, I've always been fascinated about the relative expense of ticket prices in Japan, the long delays before big blockbuster films are released in that territory, sometimes as much as six months after the rest of the world, and the relatively low levels of digital piracy there. When I talk to local film distributors here in New Zealand, they often mention piracy as the key reason why films are rushed into cinemas rather than eased out through the festival circuit or allowed to develop an international reputation through word of mouth. The winner of this year's Palm Door at Cannes, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, was the first Korean winner of that prize, and it's unlikely to be in this year's New Zealand International Film Festival because the distributor has concerns that everyone who would buy a ticket will have found an illegal way to see it before the end of July. Instead, it is slated to come out in New Zealand on the 27th of June, and it is possible, maybe even likely, that that might be too early to register with Kiwi audiences. I hope you put that date in your diary, because it might be the cinema event of the year. When rock was young, 
Me and Susie had so much fun. Holding hands and scaling on stones. You probably don't need me to remind you that last year was the year of Bohemian Rhapsody, the Freddie Mercury movie that made just short of a billion dollars worldwide, despite firing its director halfway through the shoot. The Queen film proved that there was a market for classic rock nostalgia. When we get a Fleetwood Mac picture, I'm going to eat ice cream in the foyer. But as Apple Computer proved, with everything they've ever made, the real money goes to the people who come second. And that's what I hope happens with Rocketman, Dexter Fletcher's authorised but still scandalous version of the life of Elton John. Everything that I thought was wrong with Bohemian Rhapsody, including its Academy Award-winning casting, is right with Rocketman. It's a supremely entertaining couple of hours and is that rare thing these days, a film you want to watch again and a film that you want to own. To keep in your own home so you can watch it over and over when you're depressed and alone with ice cream and Chardonnay. Rocketman is a movie that can put you on your feet again. It isn't just the music, although the treatment of John and Bernie Taupin's songs happily goes beyond simple note-for-riff recreations, but reinvents them visually, which means they get reinvented metaphorically too. Bernie Taupin? Yeah. You must be Elton? Yeah. Aye. Well, that's my stage name. Oh. Well, you, you can tell me a real name when we get to know each other better. Right. Uh, um... I was Have thinking... you ever, uh, sorry. Sorry. No, no, please. See you. I like your lyrics. Thank you. Yeah, I, I got the tape that you sent. It's great. Really good. Thanks. Oh, hang on. Uh, hey, don't, don't bother with that one. That wasn't supposed to be in there. It's not by no, mistake. no, that's really good. I wrote a tune to it. Yeah, I bought a song. Yeah. I read it and I could hear the whole tune in my head. It was all there, I could see all the notes, and I just had to get it out. It's like my fingers couldn't work fast enough to keep up with my brain. <laughs> Do you ever get anything like that? Uh, uh, not really, no. <laughs> the framing device is a meeting of addicts in a dusty church hall. Elton turns up, slightly worse for wear, and in one of his most outrageous devil-horned costumes, and tells us about how Reg Dwight, the fat kid from Pinner, became Elton John. The unhappy home life, the talent on the piano, the discovery of rock and roll. It's all laid out in elegant shortcuts by screenwriter Lee Hall, best known for Billy Elliot, and the stage musical version of Billy Elliot, which Elton just happened to write the music for. What we have here isn't a traditional musical biography like the Glenn Miller story or, I don't know, Bohemian Rhapsody, but more like a reimagining of an artist through their music. The best example of these sorts of films is Todd Haynes' fantastic version of the life of Bob Dylan, I'm Not There. In that film, six actors portrayed versions of Dylan or Dylan's mythology. And in Rocketman, Taron Egerton does all that work himself. And marvellous he is too. Edgerton is not an actor I've ever warmed to up to now. Partly it's been his choices. The two Kingsman films, a lamentable recent Robin Hood, 
Uh, but he did play ski jumper Eddie the Eagle under a thick pair of glasses, so I had an idea that he had more ambitions than just to be a beefcake-leading man. And so it proves. Unlike Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, Edgerton does all his own singing, with a little bit of support, to be fair, but he also manages to get Elton's physicality, his walk, his cheekiness, as well as those moments when he's trying desperately to be a soul man. is a very generous film and it feels like it has a lot of love in it and behind it. Even though Elton's Lion King song, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, doesn't make an appearance, everyone that's important in Elton's life is treated with respect and often a great deal more. Lyricist Torpin, played by Billy Elliot himself, Jamie Bell, is another hero of this picture, even though his entire career can be laid at Elton's feet. Elton's lover and manager, John Reed, played by Richard Madden and coincidentally played in Bohemian Rhapsody by another Game of Thrones star, Aidan Gillen. He's also portrayed sympathetically, even though their relationship ended in acrimony and litigation 20 years ago. Even the spouse in Elton's short-lived marriage in the 80s, Renata Blowell, is treated with respect and affection. If there's an antagonist here, it is insecurity, Where does Reg start and Elton stop? I've always enjoyed Elton John's unguarded freedom to express himself as an ordinary working bloke who also happens to own his favourite football team, but who treats songwriting and performing as a responsibility as well as a gift. What's this? Hmm? Number 11 in Italy. The song doesn't work, that's the problem. The record's coked out M.O.R. The problem is you... Have never understood me and what I have to go through. And you know what? I should have sacked you when you left me. I am glad I left you. It means I can maintain some objectivity on your self indulgent, myopic little world. Get in the studio, make some music, or don't. I don't care. Well, you will when your money runs out. Do your worst. In fact, Take me to court. You signed contracts with me years ago, so I'll still be collecting my 20% long after you've killed yourself. I never got past the feeling that Rocketman is actually the launch pad for something even bigger than a Hollywood movie. It's the demo reel for the inevitable Broadway or West End musical called Rocketman that will ultimately be the financial legacy for Elton John and his kids, who are both under 10 years old. 
John discovered Broadway with The Lion King and Billy Elliot and knows that that is the way to ensure his songs and the dollars will continue to flow in a world where recorded music alone no longer has any value. The big production numbers, the use of songs to support the emotion of the story rather than being chronologically accurate, the building of an Elton John mythology that will outlive the pyramids, this is the smartest bit of business I've seen in a while. But it's all good. I think it'll make you happy. It made me happy, and I'll happily see it again any day of the week. You can never know what it's like You blood like a winter freezes just like ice And there's a cold and lonely light that shines from you You will wander like the wreck you Fool could never win Well look at me I'm coming back again Got a taste of love And a simple way And if you need to know While I'm still standing You just fit with And don't you know Rocketman is rated M for sex scenes, offensive language, drug use and classic hits music and it is playing all over New Zealand now. He's back, and he's chunky. Gojira started out life as a guy in a rubber suit, terrifying an already traumatised Japanese public about the dangers of uncontrolled atomic energy. Now the short-armed dinosaur dude is the centrepiece of a global entertainment franchise that a number of massive companies like Warner Brothers are betting the farm on for future revenues, perpetual revenues. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, officially known in New Zealand as Godzilla 2, King of the Monsters, because we obviously can't be trusted to remember that this is already a sequel, is in fact a sequel to the 2014 Godzilla reboot movie, and also the uh, Kong Skull Island picture from 2017, which drew the giant gorilla into the world of monsters created by the Japanese Toho company over 60 years ago. This is a universe, because every studio has to have one. Only in this universe, the human characters are flimsy. That's physically flimsy compared with the recurring inscrutable monsters, and they're disposable. Who do you root for when the humans aren't there from film to film, offering you someone to identify with? In this picture, there are a few recurring characters, but uh, they're there to support the new stars recycled from the Toho Godzilla universe. Three-headed taker of no crap, Ghidorah, fire-breathing Rodan, and the ethereal Mothra. I was hoping for the smog monster or Mecha Godzilla, but I suppose time is on my side for those inevitable appearances. Holding fire. We don't know he'll attack. Well, he will if you keep those guns on Let him know we're not a threat. Open the 
light show. It's an intimidation display. Consider us very intimidated. These new monsters are known in the film as Titans, the creatures that ruled the Earth from long before human evolution, and therefore deserve to and have the power to do basically whatever they want. The secretive non-governmental organisation Monarch has been tracking and, where possible, securing these beasts for decades, but the destruction wrought by Godzilla in San Francisco five years ago is beyond the pale. Congress wants them under military control, and there is no decent answer except that military and US government control is a dumb idea and you should just trust the Monarch people. Vera Farmiga works for Monarch, and she might have found out a way to communicate with the 14 titans that have been isolated so far. Her estranged husband, Kyle Chandler, is in the backcountry photographing wolves and dealing with the loss of their son in that earlier Godzilla attack. Daughter, Millie Bobby Brown, is torn between them both, and ex-British special forces-turned-eco-terrorist Charles Dance knows how to leverage them all against each other so he can steal DNA from the Titans and, ha ha ha, rule the new world, denuded of people. He's like if Thanos had been to Eton. Most of the science is magical, except for the bit that projects what might happen if we just let these creatures roam rather than entombing them in ice or whatnot. There's a film in the current Dock Edge Festival called The Serengeti Rules about the scientists that worked out how important apex predators or keystone species are to an ecosystem, maintaining balance as they devour other species that we think are precious. Evidently, these monsters, at least the indigenous ones, still poop, and that if we can get over the fact that they destroy entire cities with their radioactive hellfire, they can restore the damaged natural environment. So, you know, win some, lose some. There's also some really interesting subtext going on about how humans treat these gigantic, powerful and moody animals. Our tendency to anthropomorphise these beasts means we end up either worshipping them as gods, as we did in ancient times, or believing we can harness their power as partners or pets. In the film's reality, of course, neither is the case. We are simply insignificant little squibs, collateral damage in a battle for dominance over planet Earth. And I like how Godzilla forces us to confront that fact. On the downside, most of the big emotional beats, sacrifices, rehabilitation, are unearned. But the acting from some really heavy hitters like Farmiga, Sally Hawkins, uh, Bradley Whitford and Ken Watanabe does most of the heavy lifting in that regard. They really sell it in circumstances that don't normally encourage that sort of quality. Senators, we believe that these titans are just the tip of the iceberg. Which of these titans are here to protect us? And which of these titans are here to threaten us? So you'd want to make Godzilla our pet? No. We would be his. One final note, director Adam Doherty's previous directing gig before this one was the Christmas-themed horror comedy Krampus, which was filmed in Wellington in 2014. I raise this only to point out that locally made productions can continue to provide career opportunities as long as there are actually locally made productions that we can show off. 
Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is rated M for violence and offensive language, and it too is playing noisily in multiplexes all over New Zealand now. Otto. We tend not to see too many examples of modern Finnish cinema here in New Zealand. Our two countries have uh, a few similarities, a population around the 5 million mark, larger neighbours with a tendency to dominate the cultural conversation. Finland makes around 10 to 12 feature films a year and most are reliant on the support of the Finnish Film Foundation, the equivalent of our film commission, and complex European co-productions. One successful Finnish director is Klaus Haro, who made a film in 2009 that I'm very fond of called Letters to Father Jacob, about a former convict who finds herself writing letters to a blind priest. I know that sounds obscure, but you'll remember it if you saw it. Haro's new film is set in the present day, but is a similarly slow-paced character study. One last deal is about Olavi, an elderly art dealer in Helsinki, once a driven and successful businessman and now left behind by modern developments and estranged from his family. About to go broke, he is forced to take on his grandson's work experience project, but also spots a potential bargain at a local auction, a rare painting that no one else can see the value in. With his grandson's help, he attempts to raise the money to buy it so he can prove its provenance and make that final score that will allow him to retire and finally do something to look after his family. Mitä sä huriset? Eihän ne edes ole sen rahoja. No, nyt on. I enjoyed the Finnish environment of this film, the northern European trappings like the streetcars, the weather and the subtle inequality. But I found the characters quite frustrating. Olavi, played by veteran Heike Nuslainen, who was also in that Letters to Father Jacob that I mentioned earlier, is one of those characters whose depression infects the film. His stubborn unwillingness to help himself by learning more about the modern world is matched by his single-minded pursuit of this one painting. I suppose that art dealers like this have to have a gambler's mentality, placing bets on the rising or falling value of paintings and artists, but I did find his relative unworldliness an obstacle to my ability to purchase the story. There were lots of lovely character details on offer, his fondness for a particular kind of pastry, for example, but I never managed to understand exactly what it was that came between him and his family, at least to the extent that it needed that level of repair. One Last Deal is rated M for offensive subtitles, and it is playing in select cinemas now. And that's our program for this week. I usually like to end the show with a sample from the soundtrack of one of the films we've featured, and it would be brazen of me to ignore Taron Egerton's magnificent effort as Elton John in Rocketman. And I'm not at all brazen, so here he is with some of his version of the title track. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight. Some other events that really should be on your cinematic radar at the moment, the Documentary Edge Film Festival is still playing in Auckland and travels to Wellington from the 13th to the 23rd of June. There's nothing less than interesting in that programme, so you should jump on in. 
Starting a national tour in Christchurch this weekend is this year's Italian Film Festival. Unlike the new version of the French Film Festival this year, which used the new digital technology to play all their films across the country in a condensed two-week period, Italian Film Festival director Paolo Rotondo is doing it old school and taking a leisurely ride around the country, ending on Waiheke Island in January. Check it out when it comes to your town. Bellissimo! I'm Dan Slevin, and you can find me on Twitter as at Dan Slevin, all one word. And there's more of me at rnz.co.nz forward slash widescreen, where you can find reviews of other films that are in theatres, as well as interesting film and TV selections from local online streaming services. On our next programme, I'll be returning to the X-Men universe for Dark Phoenix. So why not join me for more at the movies at the same time next week? Mars ain't the kind of place to raise your kids. In fact, it's cold as hell. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.